How do we, Dustin? It's going pretty well. How are you doing, Kane? Very well. Just saying about how nice your backdrop's looking. I'm incredibly oh, jealous. Thanks. thanks. I've got to get a green yeah. screen, but you're you're looking. It's looking pretty pretty cool over there. Yeah, it won't be my backdrop for much longer. This is the to be nursery. So uh, I'm uh, I'm squatting here until the <laughs> real tenant arrives. <laughs> nice. When is that again? October. End of October, yeah. Coming up, coming wow. up. Wow, your world is about to be rocked, my friend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but congratulations. Um, and welcome to Inav Itamar, uh, CEO of Voca AI, doing some really interesting stuff in the call center space. Inav, welcome. Hi, Kane. Uh, thank you so much for you and Dustin for having me here. I'm so excited. No worries, no worries. It's nice to have you along. We've been doing a bit of a theme lately, Dustin, haven't we? Kind of IVR in the contact center. Mm. And uh, it's been pretty interesting. Yeah, it really has. Um, really interested to hear what what you're going to tell us today. It's, you know, I, I think there has been yeah a little bit of a a change in our focus recently. I wouldn't say maybe a change in our focus, but a bit of an evolution on the things we talk about. So excited to learn a little bit more and and have our audience learn a little bit more as well today. Mm. And uh, if you do want to learn a little bit more in general about voice, conversational AI, voice technology, stuff like that, uh, Bradley Metrock uh, from Project Voice and This Week in Voice has got a pretty good newsletter going at the moment. It's uh, it's only been going for a, a week or so. And uh, Justin, we were featured in it yesterday yeah, or the day before. It's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. How'd you- you feel about that? How do you feel waking up and, and and seeing your face in your email inbox? Yeah, it was it was it was weird. It, it, you don't often hear other people writing about you, so it was um, you're often trying to write about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was good. Yeah, a couple of quotes I liked was that uh, Kane gave a rousing closing talk at Project <laughs> Voice, and Dustin is making waves with his book. And uh, so there we go. Yeah, that Bradley Medrock knows how to. Um how to uh, build a guy up for sure. Yeah. So so thanks to Bradley for that. And another one was, uh, I'll give you another one, which I liked as well. The voice and AI industry has their fair share of colorful characters, but none quite as bright perhaps as Kane and Dustin. So there you go. Uh, if you want more of that kind, it's not all praise for VUX World, don't <laughs> worry. Uh, it is, there is all kinds of interesting stuff going on in that newsletter. So thisweekinvoice.substack.com if you want to uh, if you want to get involved in that. I don't suppose you are uh, involved in that, uh, Enav? Uh, no, I didn't have, get a chance to be involved there. Uh, but looking forward also to make waves, just like Dustin. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it's, it sounds like you're making waves already of sorts with Voca.ai. Tell us a little bit about what Voca.ai is and does. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so maybe first of all, just, um, you know, I've been in, in this space for the past 15 years of, you know, both AI and big data, machine learning, you name it, all the buzzwords. <laughs> um, and um, I co-founded an AI company um, that was also very exciting and it was later acquired by eBay. And then... Um, I met Dr. Alan Becker, who is the other co-founder of Voca, and we both were, were very excited about all the advancement in voice AI and in NLP. And we saw how the, you know, how the giants, how, how the big tech companies invest in smart speakers and those smart voice assistants. Um, so, you know, when it comes to B2C experiences, you know, uh, people got uh, the experience to be better. But then on the other hand, the voice experience for customer service was quite a lot behind. So we asked ourselves, does it really has to be like this? So this is basically how Voca started. We met and we both had this background of 
both the technology and also the understanding uh, of what it can do and what it cannot do. And we wanted to use this in, all, in order to solve this everlasting context-centered trade-off. And when I'm saying, when I'm talking this trade-off, I'm talking about the trade-off between customer experience, um, scale, and cost, hmm. basically. And, um, you know, we believed uh, when we co-founded Voca three, just three years ago that this trade-off is not necess necessary and we can solve it using technology. Um, and, you know, eventually we also thought that it's the right time to do this because um, people are more open to conversational AI and, you know, trust it, this technology a little bit more than they used to be. And eventually at the end of the day, you know, customers want what they want and they want it fast. So if the experience is good, they are willing to adopt AI to, to help them do what they want to do. Um, so uh, when we started, we, we just wanted to leverage the existing technology in order to solve this problem. But we quickly, we quickly learned that if we really want to make an impact, if we really want to make uh, an experience that is at least as good as speaking with a human, we need to rethink the whole technology. We need to rethink the whole solution. Um, I'm going to talk maybe about this a little bit later about how our approach is different, but um, we decided to develop an end-to-end -end technology and solution uh, for our customers and to make it extremely easy for them to, to adopt AI, um, you know, uh, at this time. And, uh, you know, in the past um, six months, we also saw what COVID-19 made to the world. Um, and uh, in our space, it made, you know, the sense of urgency quite clear that companies need to optimize and need to learn how to handle these kind of extreme situations and unknowns and still being able to provide great customer experience with the peaks. And, um, you know, when all of a sudden people prefer to use their phone instead of step stepping into a bank, for example, um, you know, companies still are expected to, to be able to handle these uh, influx, huge amount of calls. Um, and still at the same time, if you are using technology, if they are using technology in order to provide uh, the, these calls during the COVID, um, they are still expected to be empathetic and to, um, there is no compromise on the customer experience, right? So uh, this is where our solution came in to prove, be proven very useful because we wanted to make our bot as human and as empathetic as possible. So, um, you know, in, in times of COVID, it's got to be more relevant than ever. Um, so as of today, our virtual agents make millions of calls per month uh, for our, our customers around the world, mainly in the US, most of them in the US. Also, um, you know, in the UK, we have um, several customers and also in uh, Australia, in Germany and, uh, you know, many other regions as well. Um, that's, that's, basically, that's basically what we do, just trying to constantly improve the experience for our customers and to uh, build a customer experience solutions at scale. So... For those who are um, who have never come across Voca AI, it is it is a platform. Would you describe it as a platform a technology that enables you to automate incoming calls into the contact center using conversational AI? Is that is that yeah. how you would describe it? Yeah, that's correct. We are automating uh, both incoming and outbound calls using AI. Um, we are also providing solutions for omnichannel on top of it. Um, you know, many other companies that are chatbot companies are trying to go into the space of voice, but then the experience that you get is, you know, not really suitable because voice is much more complex 
than uh, a mere chat, but we went the other way around. We first created um, a solution that is good for the contact center. And now we're also starting to provide a solution for other channels and to provide also an omni-channel and cross-channel solutions, you know, across um, messaging and chat, website, in-app, and many other channels uh, as well uh, around this, because eventually customers today expect to get the best service across the, all the different channels and to get it uh, also to be consistent and, and fluent. Yeah. Hmm. So you were talking a bit earlier on about trade-offs, contact center trade-offs and how you kind of, you develop the platform to try and counteract some of that. Can you elaborate a little bit on what kind of trade-offs you, you talk, referring to there? Yeah, sure. So as, as I mentioned, I think that since there is such thing as customer service, there is always a trade-off between, you know, um, the companies, you know, our clients that want to provide good customer experience, but on the other hand, there are costs for providing good, good customer experience. And especially right. it comes into play when there is uh, a bigger scale. So as, you know, telecommunication companies and banks, as they, you know, uh, uh, grow in, in number of customers and number of agents, it becomes more and more challenging to keep the level of customer experience and still keep the costs sane. Right. So eventually as, as customers, what we experience when we are calling uh, is we experience long waiting times. We experience sometimes uh, inexperienced agents or, you know, offshore agents with, you know, uh, maybe limited access to the internal systems or you know, bandwidth and stuff like that, maybe. Yeah. So, um, so then on the other hand, when companies try to, solve these scalability issues and use technologies like IVRs, then again, they get, they throw their customers into a maze, right? Uh, that, that is not great customer experience. And then sometimes they try to uh, overcome this using, uh, uh, trying to divert customers into other channels that are more scalable, like email and chat and so on. But eventually still customers are still calling. And again, we see this during COVID more and more again, because if you want something and you want it now, uh, you still need to call. Um, mm. So it's not one or the other. You need to provide great customer experience across channels. And I think that if chatbots were like a trend two or three years ago, now it's clear that the voice is as important as chat and you need to provide again a solution across channels and um, make sure that you don't leave voice as like um, uh, a subflow that is um, um, you know completely different to, to chat it's interesting that you that you mentioned or what you mentioned earlier makes me think about how a lot of times customer service can actually be a differentiator of sorts. It can be a competitive advantage for certain companies. I know um, in the U.S. you've got a handful of companies that are just like really known for good customer service, like a JetBlue, a, a Trader Joe's. A, maybe there's some in the U.K. as well. Okay, and any mm. any companies that spring to mind that you're like, okay, yeah, I don't mind calling them. Yeah, well, I think John Lewis typically tend to have a pretty good customer service. But another one from, I think it's the US, is Tom's Shoes. don't know if you've heard their stories mm. where, you know, some of their agents have spent like 20, 30 minutes on the call with someone uh, and something, I think any complaints, they end up just giving you a new pair of shoes and stuff like that. And then there's another one about a flower. There's another one about a flower company where 
they they missed a delivery to someone's uh there was an important delivery it wasn't a birthday it was something else and they missed the delivery the person phoned up and they ended up giving them free flowers not not announced just free flowers every month uh constantly after that for for making one mistake so but it but it just shows how important it is to have good customer service because people like me who have nothing to do with it tell stories about it yeah, but that's got to be really expensive, right? If you're going to be willing to stay on the phone for hours uh, with a human. So I, I guess does Voca.ai and this AI-driven customer service help companies close that gap a little bit when it comes to that customer service advantage? Yeah, I, I totally can totally relate to that. Uh, you, you mentioned several companies that put um, customer experience, you know, before costs and, and first of all, want, you know, not just to automate, but first of all, make sure that um, that customer experience comes first. So this is our ideal customer. So um, uh, for instance, uh, American Express is also well known uh, in the US, um, uh, you know, in, in their um, uh, ability and willingness to invest quite a lot in order to provide great customer experience. So uh, when we, we met with them initially, they were very excited about us, both uh, from the ventures unit and um, uh, innovation and the business, the different business units. So uh, that got us into a place where they uh, invested in us. They are one of our our, um, trusted uh, partners. And uh, we are, um, this is, uh, again, one one example for for a great company that believes in us and and knows the importance of great customer experience and not just automation. And uh, when I think about the the really good customer experience uh, experiences that, that I've had, uh, and, and American Express is, is certainly one of them, I think to those times when a a person has helped me. Um, I, I don't necessarily think about uh, a computer system, but it's certainly in a lot of cases where uh, I've had a bad experience. I think about those computer systems that don't work. So I guess my question is. How much influence does uh, an intelligent system, how much influence can it have on having a good experience versus how much is it trying to mitigate those bad experiences? Like what's the, what's the balance between where the AI really helps this experience shine and, and, and where is it that the human helps the experience shine? Well, that's a great question. I believe that the, the right solution is uh, basically a win-win. You know, some people see uh, AI or technology in general as, as something that, um, you know, uh, competes with humans. Uh, this is not the way we see it. We see this as um, how to create the ideal experience that combines both people and AI. Um, and no matter how much I'll try to convince you that AI is amazing and can do anything, eventually it has its limits and we all know it. So, uh, AI is more, uh, geared towards mundane and repetitive tasks and humans are not geared to do that. So that's, um, actually, uh, you know, how they can complete each other and work together in a synergetic mode. So, uh, this is where, uh, VOCA comes in. We take, um, a specific, we, we start with a specific, uh, flows and we first make sure that we can cover them. And usually it's, um, you know, like the, um, the low hanging fruits or the 80, 20 rule. We'll try to take, uh, and almost any, I think that, uh, we didn't meet even one customer that didn't have such, such a, a very simple answer. Like what is your most common reason for people to call you or from the other side, what is the most top reason for you to call people? Uh, I can give several examples, but 
generally speaking, there's always a reason or maybe um, um, two or three top reasons that would cover 80% of the call volume. So we would try to first cover this. And also, uh, also uh, if you limit to those two, three reasons, obviously there's always the unexpected. So you can, uh, the AI can cover, you know, uh, to the happy path, obviously, and also to many other alternative passes. But then eventually there's um, a point or a specific percentage of calls, say 10 or 20% of the calls that you would eventually want to forward to a human being that might be uh, from different reasons. One reason would be the most simple one that the person would ask to speak with a human being. And we always respect that. And we always respect the fact that some people would always prefer that. That's fine. Um, uh, and, and by the way, surprisingly, that's a really uh, low amount, low uh, percentage of, of the calls. Uh, that's one thing to note. Another reason for people, you know, for calls to be forwarded is based on a specific business logic. For instance, you might want to handle, uh, let's say in a sales process, you might want to handle the low, um, uh, the initial qualification process, um, um, like a lead screening, for instance would like to handle this using AI. So you have a series of questions for an insurance broker or a series of uh, questions for a lender. So uh, those questions, again, are mundane and the business logic is quite clear and well-defined. From the other end, you still want to make the experience amazing because it is a sales process. So this is where we excel. So um, you put this initial process screening, you put it for the AI. So uh, then you have those 10% that would go through the screening process and are interested in, in the insurance. And you can also, there is also a match for, uh, that you can provide them. For instance, you would like uh, only people in the age of 40 to 62 um, and uh, that they have a specific health, health condition and so on and so forth. So only those calls will be forwarded to, to the human agent. And obviously there's the third reason that we cannot ignore that again, sometimes the AI hits a limit that it cannot, it cannot answer a specific question. And then the call in this case, it will all, always uh, also be forwarded to, to a, a human agent. So again, it's a synergy. It's not one instead of the other. Hmm. Interesting. We've got a couple of questions coming through uh, through LinkedIn. Shout out to Michael Nelson and Courtney Lindbergh. Uh, one of them is related actually to what you were just talking about. And then we'll come on to yours after that, Michael, um, when we get into actually how, how do you go about implementing some of this stuff. So Courtney's asking, how are you able to handle obstacles and failures of varying accents or due to differences in pitch and things like that? Yeah. So uh, as, as I mentioned uh, earlier, we developed the entire technology stack from scratch we, um, you know, the, the general approach would be to take speech, convert it to text, and then try to use NLP to analyze the text. Uh, we have a completely different approach. Um, we analyze the NLP part. We do it directly on the speech signal. This allows us um, a huge amount of um, boost in accuracy. It will also allow us to handle emotion. So back to the question that is related, um, if you would take speech out of context and try to translate it to text, so when it comes to accents and uh, background noises and, uh, and you know low quality of a phone line, which is always the case, even human beings, and I can challenge you on this, if I give you just a, a specific three seconds of audio, you will not be able to understand the sentence. But 
if you put context into it, and if you do both tasks together, uh, both the understanding and the listening using the same uh, uh, engine, so you have much uh, better chance of succeeding because you can miss a lot of the you know specifics but because you know the context, you can understand if this person is now positive or negative. You can understand if he's uh, saying that he is interested or not. And you can understand if he's challenging you on, on that question or that. So, um, so um, to cut a long story short, we incorporate context uh, and we do it deeply in order to overcome challenges with, uh, um, uh, with any, any kind of acoustic challenges, uh, if you will. So that's one specific uh, answer to this question. The other one is, I, I would say the generic answer that we simply train on huge amounts of data from all around the world in many different accents and, uh, accents and regions. So, so that allows us to be uh, more robust to, um, to the different ways that people uh, express themselves and, and simple uh, and different accents around the world. Hmm. And when you say that you take context into consideration, are you talking context that is um, kind of generated from either the kind of intent that someone has or, or the intents that you're catering for? Or are you talking context as in you might be able to match something in and around the sentence that they've said, but maybe it's not all of it? How, how, do, how do you mean when you say that you take context into consideration as well as just the speech? Basically, it's it's both and much more than this. Uh, just a very simple example. If I ask you a question right now um, and I'm listening to you answering it, um, my question is the context, right? I'm not expecting you to just say any random sentence. I would expect you to either answer my question or maybe, you know, uh, surprise me with something in the same topic, but slightly different. So, um, so we, we know how to use that. And we also know how to use other information uh, about the domain, about um, the different entities in the call and many, many other uh, relevant information in order to improve the accuracy and also take emotion into account. Cool. Well, Frederick Goosens uh, did have a question on LinkedIn, which I think you've answered, which is, do you have your own NLU? Sounds as though the answer is yes, given that you've built everything from, from end to end. Um, if we were going to cover this kind of towards the end, but but Michael's asked the question and and it's he's been patient with uh, with us <laughs> putting it to you. So someone wants to kind of you know consider Invoker AI, um, wanting to use conversational technologies to to help them improve what they're doing in their in their call center to to help automate calls, etc. How would you integrate? This is Michael's question. How would you integrate your solution with a, with an existing contact center platform? Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is a great question. So, uh, basically, as I mentioned, we are, uh, providing an end to end solution for our customers. We take care for all of the heavy lifting. So, uh, when, uh, we have a new customer or a new use case to support, um, then we would typically have a, a process of how to onboard a new customer. This process would include uh, discover meetings to learn about how things are done today. Uh, then we'll uh, use our experience to recommend um, uh, our best practices to incorporate AI into those existing flows. Um, so that is one part, uh, the flow, um, the flow building process. And then the other part of it is the integrations. We integrate to the 
uh, call center technology. Usually, uh, usually it's um, uh, I, I would call it th that would be the SIP integration usually, and then the other part is the um, information system integration that we are we are supporting with various uh, types of CRM systems that are most common, and also if it's a proprietary system that uh, is quite using standard protocols, we can also support that. And is there any any types of systems that exist that are easier or harder to integrate with? For example, I was talking to someone earlier on who um, was saying that quite a lot of relatively large enterprises are still running on-prem solutions. However, there's a huge movement now to, to put everything in the cloud. You know, you've got Amazon Connect, you've got you know, Nice in Contact, Genesis, all of those have now got cloud offerings and are trying to kind of get people up into the cloud. And obviously over the, the, the COVID time, which we're going to kind of touch on in a moment, some contact centers have wanted people to work from home because they haven't been able to open the office. And some of those, maybe the people with on-prem uh, installations have found things a little bit harder than, than people who are running uh, companies that are running the cloud-based stuff. So is there a difference in how you would approach integrating Voca AI into contact center software, depending on whether it's on-prem or, or in the cloud, or does it not really matter? Is, is there any difference in the process? Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm glad you asked this um, because I wanted to, to talk about this. Uh, first of all, uh, one of the byproducts uh, for the decision to build the entire technology stack in-house was security, because now we managed to, to basically uh, ensure our customers that their data is safe with us, uh, you know, as opposed to, um, you know, a company that would take one part of the AI and then send, you know, let's say the speech recognition to uh, an external ASR public API, for instance, and then use the text to speech from another provider and only, only do the NLP in-house and so on and so forth. So um, uh, one byproduct, as I mentioned, is security that we can ensure that you know, and it's very important for uh, the financial institutions that we work with and actually any other company in the world, I guess. Uh, it's very important for them to know that their customer data uh, is safe and, and uh, you know, no privacy issues are, are there. You know, with the GDPR and CCPA, it's also very important. So we, we managed to, um, um, to, to provide this and, and make sure that the data stays within our, uh, our domain. Um, and also when it comes to on-prem versus cloud, we've seen all the companies um, switching to, to cloud. Some companies that do prefer on-prem initially, um, um, you know, I cannot mention names, but even, you know, the, the most, you know, Fortune 100, you know, huge companies of ours that I would never believe that would go to the cloud would eventually uh, um, are now more open to it. And again, COVID definitely helped uh, with, that, with that, I would say. Um, um, but technically speaking, we can, uh, our technology is cloud agnostic, so we can deploy to any cloud and you can also um, wrap it and deploy it on-prem. Um, I have to admit that until now, we didn't, uh, luckily for us, we didn't need to deploy it on-prem uh, because as I mentioned, uh, even the biggest and the most traditional customers of ours um, eventually are open to the cloud uh, because they see that our environment is super secure and uh, we have all the compliance needed in order to to ensure them that that their data is safe, safe with us. What about the the contact center system itself? Then is there a difference between? Um, so it sounds as though your clients and customers are happy to have your side of the the kind of 
bargain in the cloud. What about in terms of how how they're set up? So if if I am, I don't know, John Lewis, we mentioned John Lewis earlier on. If I'm John Lewis and I've got an on-prem kind of contact center uh, running in my organization, I've got a box in the in an IT sort of back room with it with with everything kind of running on it. Is there a difference in terms of how you would integrate into that if someone's running like an on-prem installation versus running something like Amazon Connect, which is the contact center software itself is entirely cloud-based? Uh, usually the, the telephony piece, again, there are two different types of integration. One of it would be to actually plug into the to the private branches, the private telephony. Uh, and, and again, even the most traditional companies have some sort of a SIP bridge. Mm-hmm. So uh, that would be easy. And then if it's not easy enough, there's always an option to just use the, um, the PST. And, you know, every, even if, if the entire telephony is in the contact center, they're still reaching out to customers and they're still receiving calls from customers. So it is a publicly available service. So uh, we can simply forward calls or receive calls from this system based on the public telephony. So that's the easiest mm-hmm. integration. And, and, and many customers choose to start with this type of integration and only later on uh, move forward to the more tight integration. Uh, after they see value. And so you mentioned early on and part of the process of, of getting on board with, with VOCA is the design of the, the conversational IVR. Can you walk us through that design process? Um, how do you start that off? How do you test that? How, do, how does that then go into production? What goes into designing that conversation? Yeah. So we, we have a team of, um, you know, um, conversation design uh, um, specialist and implementation specialist and, um, uh, you know, postal engineers and solution architects and so on. Uh, and, and, you know, the entire team is involved in the process. There's uh, always like, um, uh, you know, a dedicated account manager and a technical account manager that is uh, allocated to, uh, to the onboarding. And, um, uh, and they're responsible to make the onboarding process as uh, smooth as possible. Um, and, uh, the initial, you know, part of it is just have like a kickoff meeting and collect all the information needed for, um, for the, for the design. We also listen to calls and we see that we get all the, um, you know, all the specifics of what can happen in a call, because sometimes the training documents, you know, theory and practice is quite different. So we, uh, we always insist on, uh, getting at least several examples of actual calls. And we use this to design a conversation. This uh, goes through um, a massive QA process um, and, uh, and would also go through the approval of uh, the customers. You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes people um, imagine AI as a black box that would just do anything, but this is really different than what we do for many reasons. One reason is that technology is still not there. It's still not a black box that could, you know, learn anything and do anything. And the second reason is more important is because it's, it would not be useful to any business if you have a black box that would can simply say, you know, insult customers and do any <laughs> go rogue. Uh, any any response of the virtual agent would be pre-approved by our customers to make sure that um, um, it uh, meets their uh, uh, business needs and it meets their uh, compliance requirements and regulation. So that that would be roughly the process. Uh, building it, um, you know, confirming it uh, and, and uh, testing it. 
So on that note, you, you mentioned something that made me think of something uh, related, which is what do you think of these new technologies, these, this NLG? Um, I'm sure you've seen a lot of what, what's been going around with GPT-3, for example. What do you think about that? And, and do you think that has a hand in the future of these conversation designs? Yeah, definitely in the future. Um, I think that right now it's still not production ready. Um, you know, uh, this specific model um, seems to be amazing. I, I had uh, the luck uh, to get an access to to this API and and, and spoke with this creature a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so I, I have to say that although it's quite exciting, I think that what is on the social networks and everything, it's more like a cherry picking, to be honest with you. Um, you know, spoiler alert, if you will get a chance to experience it yourself, it's uh, still has many glitches and still not something that you, you want to put in front of your customers. Um, I do believe that uh, in the future, I don't think it's the near future, but I believe that I would say in the next three, maybe two to five years, this kind of technologies um, will be uh, more useful to many different use cases and hopefully also for the customer experience domain as well. Are there other 2023, 2025 technologies that you're excited about here in 2020? Uh, yeah, the, um, I think the speech synthesis has gone through um, a huge progress in, in the past year or two. There was WaveNet and there were other advances in this field. I'm also um, um, glad that we, we had a chance to, again, develop our own technology in, in, uh, in, in this space. And we're also using uh, partners to, to a specific, uh, specific other cases. Um, so I believe that there is also going to be progress in this front. Um, so I, I guess that you can say about speech synthesis that currently, uh, you know, the wave nets of the world um, can provide quite a smooth, um, smooth uh, human sounding voice, but it's still uh, cannot incorporate emotion properly because the, you know, so the music of, of the speech is still not right and it's how to control it. And I think that in VOCA, we, we made a, an impact over there as well. Uh, it's still not something generic that could be used for, I mean, we, we cannot like use a generic API for text to speech. It's not what we do, but internally we have our own, um, I would say best practices and, uh, te techniques in order to, to create um, uh, a text-to-speech that is even one level more than the state of the art that is, is currently publicly available. How much, uh, how much are you using uh, synthesized speech, uh, text-to-speech systems today, and how much are you using pre-recorded responses? Is it a mixture? Is it uh, per project? How do you yeah. decide about that? Yeah, so I mean, that, that goes to the lines of my previous answer. We, we are using both. That's a part of the technique. We're using both pre-recorded and uh, synthetic voice. We, uh, we have uh, voice actors that we work with in order to train a text-to-speech engine that would match their voices. We only need um, about one hour of uh, recorded uh, speech from a voice actor in order to create um, um, a text-to-speech engine that would match their voice. And then we have on top of this technology that could help um, create uh, templates, if you will, to, to match specific uh, prosody. Or, uh, and, and then you could use those templates in order to create dynamic uh, uh, responses that would be, uh, as I mentioned, one 
uh, uh, one step on top or above what is public currently publicly available as a generic Texas compared to a generic Texas speech engine. You know what we should do, Dustin? What's that? We've got hours worth of our audio kicking around. Uh, I'm sure with a little bit of uh, TLC that uh, we could probably spin up a, a synthetic voice of ourselves. So what we should do is a little a little spin-off of this episode where we create some synthetic voices of all three of us and then we just have a little five-minute episode of VOX World all with synthetic voices. How good would that be? I have to say, Ken and, and Dustin, I'm not sure that you really want to do this because then eventually what will you do the next day? <laughs> I mean, but how do people know that this is not currently synthesized voices? It's going to be a combination of synthesized voices, deep fakes. Uh, really, I'm I'm just on my couch sipping on a Mai Tai right now. That's, I'm doing. <laughs> That's class. That's good. That's interesting because that, the part, we're going to come to your question in a, in a second, uh, Courtney, by the way. Um, but it's a... It's a it's, I'm, gl- I'm glad that you've put so much effort into the text uh, to speech because it's so easy just to pick up the standard out of the box kind of off the shelf sort of TTS engines and stuff like that. But if you look at something like, you know, some of the stuff that ReadSpeaker are doing and, and some of the other kind of um, providers who've been who've been working on this kind of stuff, it, it is possible to get them sounding pretty good. Like not humanistic. I've, uh, the, the the voice surfer from Germany is is pretty decent but um they're not human they're not human human but they sound a hell of a lot better than they did even like three years ago so it's i'm glad to see you kind of putting a lot of effort into that can you talk to us a little bit more about what you were talking there around how you manipulate uh the kind of emotion so usually for those people who haven't designed this stuff before you would use something like ssml which you know allows you to increase the pitch decrease the pitch speed up words you know add emphasis you know make make the bot pronounce certain words in a certain way so is it ssml that you're using or have you done something totally different that is that is um allowing you to get that kind of uh variance in in how you're talking uh yeah so we we both uh, do ssml but um but the ssml would would again get you to a specific uh, level and not more than this so uh eventually uh, as i mentioned earlier we have a technique that um would allow to basically would to take a pre-recorded message and replace um, a word or a phrase out of it. So that would be maybe not the most accurate way to describe it, but, uh, but uh, quite close to it. So um, it's much more complex than this, obviously, because you don't want it. It's not like combining recordings together. You want basically to synthesize voice that would match as much as possible to how you want it to sound. So this is basically our capability. Uh, and, and again, uh, right now it's not something um, generic that we can let you know anyone use, um, but we, we do it internally for our customers in order to make sure um, that the experience is, uh, is human. And I, I'm a big believer in this, that um, it's, it's a very important part of the experience. It's not the only thing that makes uh, the experience human-like. Uh, and I know that you were interested to learn more about what makes an, uh, an experience human. Mm. Uh, so, so, you know, the speech and the prosody is one thing. Uh, the other thing is also obviously the accuracy of how well it understands and how well it would uh, uh, respond relevance uh, to, to, the, to the user's input. And also on top of this, there are many other factors such as how responsive it is, how quickly it would respond uh, 
and um, you know all many other nuances. Um, so eventually, we, as I mentioned, we decided to build the entire experience. And also, by the way, when we design the flow itself, that's also uh, when we have to make some tough decisions uh, in order to um, you know uh, to make sure that the flow itself is human friendly. So, for instance. If you're now uh, calling, uh, let's say, a specific company, a specific financial institution, um, so so the most easiest for Voca, and we want, let's say, that we want to route the call. So the most easiest part for Voca would be to say, say sales if you want sales, <laughs> say customer service if you want customer service, but that's not good customer experience. So again, uh, even when building the flow, we always make the decision that is harder for us, but better for the end user, better for the customer. So in that case, obviously the, the best thing to do would be to simply say, how can we help you? Mm -hmm. Right. And then the heavy lifting should be done on our side and not the other way around. So traditionally IVRs and other similar technologies was doing it differently. As I mentioned, they, they, uh, they required us as humans to adjust ourselves to the machine and our approach always in every step of the way that the AI should adjust itself to humans and make them feel as comfortable as possible. Mm. Uh, I hope it does. Mm. That's interesting. That that was one of the things that, um, that I was, that I was mentioning. I think I've done a, uh, one of the posts on LinkedIn about it, which was that, um, whether you do, whether you should start out the conversation as, well, I think actually what I said was that I've I've come across some in the past that say in your uh, in your own words describe why you're calling, and then my kind of my whenever I hear that phrase I always think well, like it's a Billy Connolly piece where he says what you think I've got my own words who who would I talk to, so it's like <laughs> but but the sentiment is still there which is that just you you say anything and we'll deal with it kind of thing and. Is that one of the kind of mistakes that you see? It's definitely something that you see, Dustin, isn't it? You see it all the time with Alexa skills and stuff like that, where people, are, it essentially turns into an IVR menu, doesn't it, sometimes? Is that one of, yeah. the, th is that one of the things that you're seeing in, in, in that some of the bigger mistakes that people are making is treating it like a, a tree and not letting people just speak in their own language? Yeah, definitely. Ask me or Dustin? Yeah, I was going to ask him. <laughs> ask, to any, ask to anyone who will answer it. Let's start with you, Dustin, and then we'll go to you, Inav. Uh, yeah, I would say so, but I'm actually yeah, I'm more interested in hearing uh, in your thoughts, Inav. Uh, yeah, but that's exactly it. it uh, when, when you uh, structure a conversation like, um, like a tree, um, so it's easier um, for you as the AI vendor to, to make it more accurate. That's why I think that why uh, other companies would choose that. Um, I also have to say, by the way, that uh, in order to be fair, that Alexa's <coughs> task is much more, um, you know, wide. <coughs> they have to provide uh, one flow that would support almost any possible input in the world. In our case, it's different. We deploy several different bots to, to different customers. So um, um, it's much more, uh, um, defi well defined, uh, even though that, you know, they, there might be many different reasons for people to call. It's still, obviously they will not call a bank in order to, I don't know, to buy a dog. Yeah. Uh, but, 
uh, you're not dealing with everything from music to calendars to reminders to all kinds of stuff you're dealing with a a very kind of narrow sort of use case one of the things Courtney Lindbergh has asked as well is um, are you seeing different speeds of adoption by different industries so for example is healthcare and banking earlier than like hospitality for example uh, so we we uh, currently we see a huge demand from financial services, uh, you know, banks, lenders, credit card companies, insurance companies. Um, I think that you know today there is like people call it you know fintech and insurtech trends. Um, so I believe that we also might experience the same you know trend. Um, they are much more open for innovation than they used to be in the past. They are looking to innovate in order to, to improve any, any KPIs in their business. Um, we also see a similar trend from the telecommunication companies as well. Um, healthcare to a certain extent as well. Um, uh, I guess those are the main uh, sectors that we see active demand coming from, uh, from those sectors. Mm. And we did say that we were going to get on to COVID and uh, I think we should probably do that before we run out of time. <laughs> We've kind of touched on, on things in pieces and places and stuff like that. But last time we spoke, uh, you were talking about how, uh, you know, the whole COVID thing and, and how, you know, some of your customers, current customers are even wanting to either do more or there's been kind of an influx of new customers as they try to manage the demand and all that kind of stuff. And maybe we'll get into some of the specifics, but in, in kind of summary, how have you found the the... What kind of trends have you seen, should we say, throughout the, the whole lockdown period and stuff like that when it comes to, to contact centers and, and AI? Yeah. Um, so basically what happened uh, during COVID um, to contact centers is, uh, or, you know, in general to, to companies that uh, like, you know, banks or other, you know, insurance companies that have contact centers is that, first of all, they uh, had to deal uh, with working from home and with social distancing. So that uh, drastically reduced their agent capacity. Um, and at the same time, for the reasons we discussed earlier, people simply called more. They are now at home. They're now uh, not going anywhere and definitely not, not going to attend your, your specific branch of the bank. So those two reasons combined uh, increased the waiting times like tenfold and sometimes even more. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and also it, it created like a, a demand for more specific responses to frequently asked questions that are related to the current situations. So for instance, you can, you can discuss like the PPP loans and, and you know, uh, or maybe people calling healthcare institutions to ask a specific healthcare related COVID related question and so on and so forth. So we've seen all that and we've seen, um, companies uh, strive to, um, to solve these huge waiting times by cold deflection and self-service routes and so on and so forth. So we've seen this with new customers. We've, we've seen this with existing customers uh, that the volumes of a uh, number of calls that are uh, routed to VOCA uh, grew up exponentially. And uh, they also wanted to implement more and more uh, uh, use cases and to cover uh, a higher percentage of the calls that we can support. Um, and, um, and, and yeah, basically, uh, that, that made a drastic impact on, on VOCA. Obviously COVID-19 is, you know, uh, not such a great situation for, for us uh, as a society, uh, 
Um, but yeah, and, and Voca, it's such, I would say, a bittersweet situation for us because it did brought demand uh, for, for our business. Mm. We were talking before about how, um, you know, the whole COVID thing has brought certain behaviours forward. Like three, I think it was a Forrester's report that said that the people who should be shopping online or forecast to be shopping online in three years' time we're all shopping online during lockdown because there's no other way of, of getting food kind of thing. And so that's one of the things that, that we've been talking about a lot, isn't it, Dustin, in terms of how the adoption of this technology has probably been brought forward because of uh, you've got to do it, basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's not necessarily a sea change. It's an evolution or maybe a slight push towards that evolution that perhaps was going to happen anyway. Hmm. What kind of... What impact have you seen from your customers that have either brought in new kind of conversations to deal with or because people are now asking them about freezing credit card payments or whatever the case may be? Um, what kind of what kind of examples have you seen and and then what kind of success have you seen? You mentioned earlier on about you know taking eighty percent of the calls and focusing on the on the kind of like the top queries and stuff like that. What have you got any kind of numbers or any 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 kind of like impactful um you know insights that you've seen from people implementing some of this stuff over the COVID? Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. We we have done uh different types of scenarios and calls. Um, because you guys are based in the UK, maybe I'll choose one uh, UK-based. Uh, well, Dust, Dustin's in Paris, so if you've got any in France as well, then uh, either, either the UK or Paris will, will do. Yeah, let, let's start with UK, then, yeah, then we'll yeah. see about <laughs> France. Um, so uh, one for customers, um, electricity provider called Utilita. I'm not sure if you heard about them, but uh, they are based in the um, in the UK. They're a big uh, electricity provider. Mm -hmm. So we we actually made something that I, I'm really proud of. It's pretty cool. Uh, we help people get their electricity back on um, wow. in their home, um, which is again it's quite complicated use case if you think about it because you have to make sure that they are uh, at home and right now and they can um, uh, you need to explain to them how to find the meter. And then you have to wait for them just in the background. And when you're waiting for them, they're speaking to their spouse and so on and so forth. Uh, and once they reach the meter, they have to follow a specific instructions or how to get it back on. So we managed to succeed in 75% of the calls in getting uh, the electricity back on. Wow. Uh, we worked with the customer to do all the, as I mentioned, all the onboarding, the integration we needed and everything and to implement the flow. Uh, hopefully we are going to expand the service to to gas as well, not just electricity and also to other scenarios as well, and also to increase the coverage from 75% to even higher amount of, of coverage. And it's also nice to hear uh, people say thank you, you know, to the virtual agent. <laughs> I'm excited that they managed to, uh, you know, to get the light back on in, in, in these times. Mm -hmm. um, maybe another example um, would be, you mentioned earlier, um, the situation of people calling, uh, calling up in order to, um, to, uh, to ask, um, uh, you know, about delinquency issues and ask to, to pay later or their credit card debt and so on. Also, we, we also have, um, such a use case uh, in the U S where we handle both inbound and outbound, uh, debt collection calls. Um, and again, this situation was already big before COVID and now we've got to be more big. Um, it's, uh, there's about, um, uh, $15 trillion, uh, you know, debt in the U S and, you know, uh, 
you know, student loans is trillions and, you know, mortgages is tens of trillions. And if you just pinpoint even one small area, just tiny area in that, it's a huge, huge problem in the U.S. And uh, again, it's a scale problem for those companies that want need to eventually to collect this money or need to answer the calls and answer questions. So, and it definitely the empathy component here is super, super important. Um, so I'm glad again that we managed to help over there uh, as well. Um, and it's actually amazing to see we measured like what human agents do uh, when it comes to debt collection. So we found out for one of our customers that 86% of their talk time is simply just trying to reach people over the phone. Um, in this time, they get voicemails, they get you know the spouse, they get people at work, they get busy people and many, many other reasons. And only in 14% of the talk time, they're actually uh, negotiating and you know receiving payments and actually speaking with the card member or you know the relevant person to even talk about mm. the, the stuff. So again, this is where it comes to place the synergy between uh, AI and humans, because people don't need to spend 86% of their time over the phone in you know just leaving voicemail messages. That doesn't make any sense. Mm. And when it comes to the complex part of the negotiation and, um, you know, understanding the situation of the person in the other side, in this part, AI still need has some work to do. So in this part, maybe it makes sense to hand it over to a human agent, or at least in some of the cases, it makes sense. So this is where the synergy comes into place, into play. Mm. Some of the debt collection kind of, you know, recouping debt, some of that also requires not just people on the phone, but people actually physically go into people's houses uh i've got a i've got a story about that which is that one day when we used to live in our old flat before we moved into here there was a knock on the door and you used to have to go through our front door to get to our flat door knock on the door and there's a guy there with this with this like stab proof vest on and stuff like that and he's asking for my wife i said she's not here she's at work and he said i've got a i've got a um something to go and take away your car I was like, what the hell are you talking about? And I was just about to close the door because I thought he was winding me up, but he had his foot in the door. So anyway, I ended up letting him in. Turns out that we'd moved for our flat. We'd moved about six weeks earlier. And in uh, on the M25, if you go over Darfur Bridge, you have to pay a toll. If you don't pay the toll, you end up getting fines and stuff like that, and you get like warrants out and stuff. And uh, yeah, we, we didn't pay the toll, didn't realise it. Was, all the stuff was getting sent to our old flat, and someone comes over trying to take our car off us. And I, I don't know where they got our new address from, but they're knocking on the door. End up paying £205. Uh, so you see, years after, you remember a bad experience that you had. So mm. it's, it's a very sensitive uh, area, and it's a very important uh, topic. So um, again, our, our job here is to make sure that we make it as empathetic as possible and uh, as sensitive as possible, and you know, to keep the privacy of of, of uh, those uh, uh, of those customers and, and make sure that the experience is amazing as much as possible. Mm. Nice, nice. So, how do people get started? Then, how do people get up and running? With uh, you know, there's lots of people out there who have call centers. Lots of people now thinking about this kind of technology. You know, the more people you speak to these days, everyone's kind of heard of Alexa now. Everyone knows about voice in inverted uh, commas how do people get started and up and running with Voca ai if they if they wanted to do so um yeah so 
the easiest part would be to go into our website and leave their details. I guess that would be the first part. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we uh, we walk through the the process of demoing a product and discussing what are their needs and to see if there's a match. Um, uh, as I mentioned, the first question I guess to be asked is, can you think about where to start? I mean, if what are the low hanging fruits you want to automate? You don't you don't automate 100% of the calls in day one. Uh, ideally, you would take the most common types of calls and then focus on automating them. That would get a huge amount of value, a huge, uh, great ROI, and uh, also eventually a reduction in uh, waiting times for the customers. So that would also end up in a great customer and in, in a better customer experience overall. So that would be the, the first question. Then we go through the details and try to um, design and define the the ideal experience. And again, we are doing all the heavy lifting. All we need from uh, from the from our clients is to be able to, if in a sense, to train uh, a new agent, the, train their first virtual agent, as simply as it sounds. This is what we expect them to do. Cool. Any thoughts, Justin? Any final questions? Final thoughts? No, I thought this was great. I think uh, I think we might need to have you on again in the future. We love to have some on the floor. So I think there's some more to discuss in the future. So thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me here. Cool. Where can people, you mentioned the website. What is the website? Where can people go to uh, to reach out? Oh, that's easy. Just like <laughs> voca.ai. Cool. Nice one. Cool. Well, yes, thank you very much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, Courtney and Michael, for the questions. And, uh, yeah, look forward to uh, to doing it again sometime. Look forward also to uh, to the next episode of the podcast, which is uh, me, Inav, and Dustin uh, in synthetic voice mode, uh, playing, out, <laughs> playing out another conversation uh, in another couple of weeks. So until that Bye. time, <laughs> we'll see you later. <laughs> thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you. Good one.